You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Second to get up those steps. I'm a little sore from yesterday. I, uh, our men's team organized this sand volleyball game, and uh, it was great. Everybody went super hard. So if you're one of the men there and you woke up with a sore neck, I am also with you. Uh, but I, I love that it was fun to just spend that time yesterday. If you're like, wait a second, I didn't hear anything about it. I say, well, then come to church because that's where we talk about it. Uh, but we have actually a lot of great things that are happening, uh, and I, I want to share with you. We have the our turkey bowl is actually going to be Thursday morning, and we have a bunch of men signed up, but I want to encourage you, if you are a guy, to go online to basically anywhere. We post about anything, and you will find the way to sign up for that because Thursday morning we want to make sure that we have a spot for you and uh, we get everything organized and we show up just, like, ready to rock. You're like, I'm not really a football person. Like, that's not what this is about. I mean, it is and it isn't. But uh, if you like to have community, you want to build those relationships, I really encourage you to come out. It's going to be a really fun time as we prepare for Thanksgiving. And then, you know, you can just, like, relax on Thanksgiving and, you know, rest your weary muscles, right? <laughs> and just hang out. So it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Uh, man, I, I love the fact, coming from Washington, that, like, the turkey bowl is not rainy and 30 degrees and muddy. It's like it's like this. Like, this. that's just called going to the park, right? <laughs> like, that's just what you do on a weekend, but we're going to do it on a Thursday. Uh, so it'll be fun, but I'm excited to share with you today as we approach Thanksgiving. We've been talking in this series called The Joy of Living Thankful, and I've really encouraged you, and I'll just continue to encourage you that my hope in this series is that it's basically like a big, deep breath out, just I feel like there's so much uh, tension, anxiety, frustration going around right now, and I really believe that there is a joy, a, a beauty, a simplicity found in living a life that is thankful. And so today, I want to talk a little bit about it, because man, Thanksgiving is coming up, and some of you, it's probably like a really chill holiday. Some of you, it might be kind of a crazy holiday. You might be traveling, or uh, you might be having people over to your home, or you might be trying to figure out what you're going to do for Thanksgiving. There's all kinds of things, but Thanksgiving is usually kind of the beginning of the holiday crazies, as we then, like, it's like Christmas is already trying to overtake it, but it's holding it back as much as it can. Um... But I'm excited for Thanksgiving. We do Thanksgiving at our house, and uh, it's, you know, varying shapes and sizes. Before COVID, I feel like we had, we had like, the, the, the pre-COVID Thanksgiving, there was, like, 45 people at our house, and we did two turkeys. We cooked one in uh, an insane amount of butter. I don't even know why. Matt Yamanuha is just had, he had the trick, and uh, he's got the, yeah, he's the flying Hawaiian with the good cooking tricks. And then Dave smoked a turkey, so we had a smoked one, and then this butter one. It was crazy. Uh, but then, obviously, you know, it's, it's been a little smaller since then. Uh, but we're excited for this one just to have our family gather together. And something that we love to do uh, before we put the kids outside and all these things is we gather together and we just pray and we thank the Lord. And that's one of my favorite moments. You know, after that, we break off and the kids, they eat on the patio so we can hose it off when they're done. And uh, and then, you know, some people go and, you know, they've got football on. Maybe they'll go watch football. But to begin with, because I don't have that big of a house, to begin with, we just gather and we say thank you. And that's probably one of my favorite traditions. We try to do this every meal, every night, right? But how many of you know, like, the week gets crazy? Right? And sometimes my prayer before we eat as a family is just yelling from the kitchen, God bless the food! And then, like, they're already eating. 
Uh, that's, that's sometimes how it goes. Maybe I'm texting it to them, like, and we thank you for the food, right? Because I'm not even there. Like, so there, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens during the week. But I do really love that moment, if I'm going to be honest. It, just this simple moment of praying over my meal. I don't know if any of you guys do that. That's something that you do regularly. Uh, it's not like some prescribed tradition for salvation. It's like, better pray, you're not getting into heaven, right? It's nothing like that. I just like it. Right? I, liked, I like this moment because our life is so crazy. I like the moment of just stopping and reflecting on the Lord. Just being like, we're going to be intentional about focusing and saying thank you to the Lord. Usually I'll pop one eye open and catch Henry like half into a bite. Right? And then he looks at me and like puts it down. Right? Um, but my kids now, they're like, I, the reason I can usually tell that he's eating is because usually they love to hold hands. And they do this. Like, if, you're, if you ever go to dinner with us and you start eating, my son will just reach out and grab your hand and be like, no, we're praying, right? <laughs> He's like, we got him trained. Uh, but I've asked people, like, you know, it, it, people that have said, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we've done that. We, we pray before we eat. Or maybe it's just you. You pray before you eat. You're just there in Taco Bell, just focused on the Lord and his provision. Uh, but I've asked people, like, why do, you, uh, why do you pray before you eat? And some people say, well, it's just we've always done that, you know. Like, I'm from the Midwest, and, like, that's just what we do. Or, you know, whatever. I'm from the, the Bible Belt, and, like, Grandpa's got to say a whole benediction before we start. We know. You come an hour, he's getting deep into it. He's like, an Exodus says, right? Um, and I, I like tradition. I, I think traditions can be really fun. Uh, some of the reasons I've prayed, if I'm going to be honest, for food, over food in the past, before I eat in the past, is because I have eaten some gnarly food in gnarly places. I don't know if you ever prayed this prayer, this, like, dear Jesus. <laughs> Some of you, this might have led you to the Lord. Like, if you are real, God, don't let this food kill me, right? That was a defining moment in your life. I've eaten in some wild places and eaten some wild food, like food that I earlier saw amongst us living while we were building something, or food that I saw hanging in the sun all day. Some of you have not been to these places. You don't know this prayer, but some of you have. You know this prayer. Dear Jesus, don't let me be on the toilet all day tomorrow <laughs> because I built the toilet and I'm not that confident in my carpenter's skills. If you've ever seen somebody fall 20 feet into a, into a hole you dug full of everybody else's previous food, uh, it is an experience. And so you pray that prayer like, Lord God, let this just miraculously disappear when it enters my body because <laughs> I have to eat it, right, because I have to be kind. <laughs> Uh, some of you, you prayed a prayer. I mean, if we're being honest, a lot of people around the world, including 14% of this country, pray a prayer, uh, thankful if they even have food. Because for many, I mean, like I said, 14% of this country go to, go to bed hungry every night. And around the world, people can go to, go to bed hungry go to, for, for days, weeks, months. And so they pray this prayer, thank you for this food when there is food. I, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I take that part kind of for granted, Right? We're trying to decide for our Thanksgiving to make sure we don't cook too much food. Isn't that kind of an American problem? Like, we don't want to cook too much because then we're going to have to take it home. Like, people are going to have to take more food. That's such an American thing. Like, guys, you, you do that sentence, you're like, how many people were we cooking for? <laughs> but sometimes we pray, we're like, Lord, thank you. I don't know if you've ever been in that season where you're just like, thank you, Lord, for what is on the table. Been in that season. But there's lots of different reasons that we might pray. Before we eat, I, and I like, I like that practice because I like that moment where we pause. You know, so little of our life is spent pausing and reflecting. 
So little of our life is spent pausing. You know how I know that? Because when I'm in a red light and I look around, everybody else is on their phone. And they're scrolling through something. Like, we can't even pause at a red light without being like, I must do something. And I'm like, that's so ridiculous. And I look down and, right? Like, I'm with everybody else, right? I'm like, oh, it's green. Okay, here we go. Like, we can't pause very well. But I love the idea of just pausing and saying thank you to the Lord. Amen, children and children's ministry. I was waiting. I had to draw it out and time it with them. <laughs> Did you know that Jesus actually prayed before some of the most iconic meals in Scripture? Jesus prayed. Now, Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, but Jesus actually prayed before some of the most iconic feasts in, uh, in Scripture. And normally I would look at one passage, but I want to encourage us today. We're going to look at four passages of Scripture and how they work together because I believe if we can get a fresh perspective, and a fresh understanding, then regardless of what your table might look like this Thanksgiving, you will find a way and a reason and the joy of being thankful at it. All of us, our tables, our situations, uh, wherever we're at, the people around the table, it's all going to look different. But I believe as those who have found the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ, that no matter what your table looks like, if we begin to reframe our perspective we will find the joy of being thankful in that moment. Let's pray together. We're going to jump into some, into some scripture. Lord God, I thank you that your word is alive and active. I thank you that you speak to us through the word of God. And I pray that as we walk through your word, that you would encourage our hearts and renew our spirits in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let, let's look at a couple scriptures today. I want to look, if you would, with me at Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. If you brought your Bible, you can open up. If not, uh, the words will be on the screen, and you can read along with us on the screen as I'm reading on my screen. But Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. This is one of the first miraculous uh, feedings that, that Jesus does, feeding thousands of people. And it says... Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip, actually, verse 14. It says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Okay, Jesus, which one of us is God? Like, right? But, she, but they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowd to sit down. Look at, look at this form here. I just encourage you, as you read these scriptures, look at what Jesus is doing. Usually a good call anytime you read the word of God. But today especially, look at what Jesus is doing. It says he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. It says, then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you have 5,000 men plus all the women plus all the children. And this was a time where they had like lots of kids, you know. This is like 
a long time ago, and it's like, well, we got to grow the crop, so let's have like 25 children, right? So we don't know. There could have been like a million people there. But, you know, people say, oh, there's about 20,000 people. A lot of people. doesn't matter if there's five or 20,000. That's a lot to feed with a couple loaves of bread, right? But there's this really profound moment where as we watch Jesus interact with this miraculous thing that, that he's doing, there, there's this really powerful moment and powerful word that happens here. And in verse, um, let me make sure I'm saying the right spot. Verse 19, yes, it says that he said a blessing. So your scripture might say Jesus gave thanks. Mine, Mine is the ESV, which is a little more literal uh, translation. So it's going to say, he said a blessing. Which wouldn't be too out of the norm. Because a standard Jewish practice, of which Jesus was Jewish, a standard Jewish practice was to say a blessing before every normal meal. That was a standard practice. The head of the household would say a blessing, and it usually be something like this. Like, this is a pretty classic Jewish benediction. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That'd be a pretty standard blessing. Praise you, God, you bring forth bread from the earth. But the word here, if yours says, said a blessing... The word here in the Greek, because we're going to talk about two Greek words today. And i got to preface this for you and say, I don't speak Greek. Uh, <laughs> and I have the translator app that you, like, push, you get the button. So I have this big, like, software, and it tells you the Greek. And I, I listen to it a lot because I, I like to study these words. And it's like, da-da-da, da And I try my best. But there's just some words that I get wrong. This might be one of them. So if afterwards you're like, actually, I speak Greek, and you're saying it wrong, I will say, yeah, I am. <laughs> Get a mic, start your own church, right? <laughs> We're saying it this way today, right? <laughs> but according, according to the best way I can say this word, the word there for blessing is eu logeo. Eu logeo. E-U, eu, lo, elo, geo, G-E-O. Eu logeo. Someone say eu logeo. Look at that. You're speaking Greek. You're like, it's all Greek to me. That's for my wife. She told me to say that. <laughs> Eulogeo. That term is to give thanks. I want you to keep that word in your mind. Say it fast enough. It'll sound right. Eulogeo. Right? <laughs> Eulogeo. To give thanks. It's a term of praise, right? It says he praised God with a blessing. And then having praised God, having given God the glory, having, having spoken a blessing, it says he broke the bread and fish we have this miracle. And I love that. And I, and I begin to ask that question, why is Jesus praising God in this moment? And if you're taking notes, I just want you to write this thought down, because I think it's an important foundation of what everything we're going to talk to today is going to build on them. So Jesus always gave God glory first. Jesus always gave God the glory first. Jesus lived to glorify God. So in this moment, when it says he said a blessing, eo legeo, that word is he gave praise. He gave honor. He gave glory. He blessed it. Did you know that Jesus lived to glorify God? He came to do the work of the Father and to show the Father through him. 
There's this awesome moment in John 14 where Jesus says, I'm going away to the Father and you can't follow me right now. And Philip says, I'm sorry, what? Kind of like, we, we're pretty invested into this, Jesus, <laughs> right? I think that's a reason, like, <laughs> uh, you're going away. Like, you, guys, we, you know, like, we're not, some of us aren't even married, right? <laughs> like, we've given up a lot here, Jesus. And Jesus said, and so Philip says, listen, show us the Father then. And Jesus in John 14 says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Philippians 2 tells us about Jesus, that though Jesus is God, he considered being like God nothing to be attained, but humbled himself even unto death. But it says that God raised him up and exalted him and set him at the right hand. This is what is so contrasting between God and the world. This is what is so contrasting between Jesus and the world around us. The world around us says, glorify yourself. The world around us says, praise yourself. In fact, don't even listen to anything that doesn't praise you. Because if it's not praising you, they must not love you. It's all about you anyways. Life is about you. Church is about you. Your friends are about you. Everything's about you. So go wherever praises you the most. Jesus is like the complete opposite. He, the life of Jesus shows us humble yourself and let God glorify you. So much so that in his last moments, Jesus in John 17, 1 says, it says, when Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted his eyes up to heaven. And this is one of these final uh, divine prayers that Jesus gives. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is the eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I love this, that Jesus is showing us before he prays for the miracle at this moment, he gives God the glory. He was about to do this miracle, right? God was about to move, but he knew something that is so important for us that we must give God the glory first. We must put God first. We must make God central in our life. See, God is like the, the center spoke of a wheel, it does not matter how strong every part of that wheel goes going into it. If you were going to replace a tire and you took off your spare tire and the whole center part of that wheel was missing, you would be like, well, thank goodness everything that's poking out of it's good. Every spoke is good, right? I mean, thank goodness, right? That spoke, thank goodness. But we do that with our life. We're like, well, my, my job is good and my marriage seems okay. It's like, why is it not hooking up? Why is it not rolling? Why is it not working? It's like, because if the center's not there, it doesn't matter. Jesus at the center. Our hearts have to be focused on him. He has to sit on the throne. He is first and foremost for everything else to fall into order. One of the reasons that we pray, right, is that we want to give God the glory he deserves. But what's amazing is as we give God glory, he gives us perspective. 
Hear me today. As we glorify God, He gives us perspective. Because oftentimes what we try to do the Lord is we try to bring His eyes down to look at our issues, problems, and dilemmas. We say, God, I need, you to get, I need to get you down on my eye level so you can begin to see what I'm seeing. And God's saying, no, instead lift your eyes to my level. Right? I lift my eyes to the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, so the psalmist says. And begin to reform our heart and our perspective and see the God of all strength and mind and power who deeply loves you and cares for you. But until we begin to focus our eyes on him, we become misdirected and misguided and confused. See, it's not about our praise. It's about his praise. What I love is that after this, after Matthew 14, in Matthew 15, there's almost the exact same scenario. Almost the exact same formula. But he uses a slightly different word in this moment. Let's look at that together. If you brought your Bible, jump just one chapter over to Matthew 15, 32. It says this. It says, And Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Is this starting to sound familiar? <laughs> right? And Jesus said to them, What do you got? Right? How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven and a few small fish. It says, In directing the crowd to sit on the ground, some of you are getting some deja vu here, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and look what it says, And Having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Verse 35, having given thanks. He gives thanks, he breaks it, the miracle happens. You wonder why he does the miracle twice? I mean, he's teaching the disciples something pretty clear, right? Because he's kind of like the same form, like hoping they'll catch on. And they're like, what are we going to do, Jesus? He's like, I don't know, take some of the food we just miraculously multiplied yesterday, right, <laughs> two days ago. But I think one of the reasons that he does this miracle is because it so clearly reveals the heart of Jesus. What does he say? He said, I have compassion. He said, they have nothing to eat. I am unwilling to send them away hungry. Hear the Lord of all the earth say, I am unwilling to send people away hungry when I have the ability to feed them. People will ask us, well, why, why do we feed the community? Why don't we go preach the gospel to them, right? Why do we feed it? We should be preaching the gospel, not like helping with physical needs, right? I mean, isn't, isn't the soul more important? This is all temporary. It's all going to go away. Why are, we meeting, why are we going out every week? Why should I serve? Why should I go out? Because the gospel is not just preached. It is lived. And if you do not live the gospel, you are going to have a hell of a time preaching the gospel. Because no one's going to believe you, Right? Jesus cared for physical needs. Why do we meet physical needs? Because Jesus cares. Oh, we should just be preaching the gospel 24-7. Every meal I hand out is preaching the gospel. And if you can't see that, then let me refer you to the gospel. Right? So I can't send them away now. They're going to faint. That means Jesus cares about you. I don't know if you grew up in, in a context where it's like God is just angry and mean to you, but Jesus actually cares about what's happening in your life. And he's compassionate. 
He actually cares for the needs of others. Jesus actually cares for the needs of the hurting and the broken. When you're around the table eating, he cares for you. And he also cares for the person gathered that day with no food. He sees that. He understands that. And so the same as before, he's got this small provision. He's about to ask for miraculous multiplication. But this time it says very uh, literally, he gave thanks. Now, in some versions, this might be the same uh, term as, as the last one. It might say he blessed or he gave a blessing of thanksgiving. It might say different things. But it's a different word in the Greek. And the, and the Greek word here is a eucharisteo. That's where we get the word Eucharist, uh, which is communion. Some of you are like, I didn't grow up Catholic. What is that? It's communion. <laughs> the Eucharist. So, a Eucharisteo. E-U, same thing again. C-H-A-R, John. Esteo, a Eucharisteo. Let's say it together. Can we butcher some Greek together this morning? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just chop it up. A Eucharisteo. There you go. So, you have eulogeo and a Eucharisteo. So this is a Eucharisteo. This is to be thankful. It is literally the act of thanksgiving. So Jesus has already done this miracle, and praise God. He's going to do it again, but before he does it, he goes, thank you, God. And he gives him thanks. Why? Like you did this three days ago. What is he doing? It's because Jesus was thankful for God and thankful for God's provision. Jesus was thankful for a couple things, right? He's thankful for the Lord, and he's thankful for the Lord's provision. I love this, that Jesus Christ was genuinely thankful that God provided. That Jesus Christ, Lord of the earth, he held in his hand a tiny bit of provision and said, thank you, God. That, that should teach us something. But not only did Jesus say, thank you, God, he said, thank you that you provide, right? Jesus was constantly showing, right? Seek first the kingdom. Do not be anxious about what you will eat. Do not be anxious about where you will go, what you will wear, but seek first the kingdom. Jesus is constantly teaching us as we begin to come before the Lord with thanksgiving and thanking him for who he is and what he has provided, it releases us from anxiety. Talked about that the other week, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why, why can we bring our requests with thanksgiving? Because we know that God provides. We know that God has the power to provide. I mean, look at the progression of the Lord's Prayer. Very similar, Matthew 6. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's that? That's praise. That's declaring praise. And then immediately after it, he says, give us our daily bread. That's a request. <laughs> right, if my kid says, give me, all right, that's a request. He's like, where's my please? <laughs> give us this day our daily bread. We have a God who actually cares about our daily bread and asks us to request it. Because there's something powerful that happens. We give glory, but then we give God our trust. I recognize who you are. I recognize that you provide, and I trust you. You know one of the best ways? One of the best ways that you have faith in God's future provision is being thankful for what he has provided. Jesus gave thanks to the Lord, knowing there would be more, but thankful for what God had done. 
I counsel so many people who are kind of locked into this human experience of constantly discouraged they don't have the next thing. And if you tell them, are you thankful for the thing you have, they will be furious with you. <laughs> but this is the human experience, right? I mean, think about this. When you are uh, dating, when you, when you graduate, let's go back even further. When you graduate high school, people are like, what are you doing next? Then you're like, I think I'm going to go to, maybe go to college. Oh, what are you going to graduate with? You're like, just trying to get through the first semester, man. Like, <laughs> right? And then you, you're getting ready to graduate. Like, what are you going to do for work? What are you going to do for a job? Then you get that job, and apparently it's not good enough. So it's like, what's your next career? All these things are really good, right? But this is the pattern of human experience, right? You date. Someone says, when are you going to get engaged? You get engaged. When are you going to get married? You get married. When are you going to have kids? You start having kids. Like, when are you going to have more? How many kids do you want? Like, I don't know. Right? That's, and so we hate when people do that to us, but nobody does it to us more than we do it to us, right? Nobody does it to us more than we do it to us. Because, like, right now, if you're, if you're like, in college, you're probably stressed about, like, oh, I got to graduate, I got to do well. It's like, never mind, like, how many people in the world actually get to go to higher education, actually get a higher education that you could praise God for. But it's like, I, just, I better get a job or else my life's over. Then you're dating somebody, right? And like, you don't remember when you were single where you would literally have killed somebody on the street just to have a significant other, <laughs> right? And you're like, is anybody, there's no single people in this city. Like there's six and a half million people in this city. I guarantee you, I haven't done the numbers. I haven't run the math, but I guarantee you somebody's single, right? <laughs> but then when you're with that person, it's like, they <sighs> gotta get that ring, right? It's like, Okay, like, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, take the steps. And then you get the ring and you get married, and you're like, we better have kids. And then if the kids don't come quick enough, it's like, why aren't we having kids? Then if you have the one, but you really wanted two, it's like, not enough. Then you don't have the house. You're like, this market, the market's so crazy, right? How am I going to afford a house? Like, every year of my life, someone has told me the market's crazy. When I bought my first house, they said, don't buy the house. They're going to flood it with foreclosures, and you're going to go broke. And I was like, sure, man. And then I bought a house, right? Right? But that's the human experience. We're just never content. We're always needing the next thing. And so, man, it makes it hard to be thankful in the moment. We could sit around the table with the wife we prayed for and be upset because we don't have the job we now want. Isn't it crazy how the former miracles become the current murmurings if we be, and the current mumblings and the current moanings and frustrations? So quickly. How everything's breaking in this house. Really, I remember when you prayed for this house. But what's so powerful is if we come to the Lord with thanksgiving, it reforms the way we look at those things. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. What would our lives look like if we began these special moments simply by thanking God for who he is and what he's done? What joy would that stir? What confidence would that awaken? What about if around the, the Thanksgiving table, instead of arguing about that one weird aunt and, like, trying to get your uncle not to say something, like, mildly offensive, <laughs> what if instead, what if instead you took time just to thank God for his love, to thank God for what he's done, to thank God for his provision? No matter how small, no matter what's on that table, you thanked him for who he is. What would that look like? If before you began Thanksgiving, you spent a moment 
to participate in both those words, eulogio, to praise God, and eucharisteo, to give thanks. Did you know both those terms, though really interesting alone, are actually both together in the most, probably in my opinion, one of the most important meals in Scripture. Both of those words sit verse to verse in Matthew 26 in the Last Supper. Both those words together. In fact, let's, let's read that for a second. Matthew 26, verse 26. We'll have it on the screen. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, Eulogio. Someone say Eulogio. Perfect. After blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Verse 27. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Look at that. When he, give, when he gave thanks, Eucharisteo. Eucharisteo. Someone say Eucharisteo. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I love that. He took the bread, and he blessed it. Eulogio. He took the cup, and he gave thanks. Eucharisteo. This is where we get the word Eucharist right, right here in this moment. The Eucharist. Literally means to give thanks. Both occurring in the same moment. Why does Jesus use both here? It's because Jesus is praying in this moment. He's giving a blessing. He's giving thanks. Because Jesus is the provision from God. How much, this is what's crazy. Believers, we forget so often that this is the foundation of everything for us. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should have, shall not perish, but shall have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus meant physical need, but did you know that Jesus had a greater mission for you? And it was a mission of love like the universe had never seen. And is that you might have salvation through him. I love when Jesus comes into the synagogue. Jesus often would go into the synagogue because he was Jewish, and that's what you would do. And when he would go into the synagogue, he would reason, and he would read from Scripture. People in the synagogue would stand up, and they would read uh, from the scrolls. And so uh, they gave him one of the scrolls of Isaiah, specifically uh, that Isaiah has some prophecies about the Messiah. So Jesus opens it up. It says, Luke 4, 17. It says, And the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are op oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then I love verse 20, And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all of the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. That's called a mic drop, right? He's like, Whoo. He's like, oh, here's the one about the Messiah. Da, 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 da. I am him. And then just sits. Right? Like, no, no altar call, nothing. Right? Just pure mic drop. That this is an important thing. Now, to us, if we heard that, we'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, that I think Isaiah's in the Bible, right? This is Jesus saying, I am God, I am the Messiah. That's this moment. I am the Messiah. That's a powerful thing to say because if you're wrong, it's blasphemy. And they stone you to death for it. Just cultural heads up, <laughs> right? He says, I came to set the captives free. I, say, I came to set the 
prisoners free. But not just from a, from a physical prison. I'm talking about a spiritual prison. The prison of sin that leads to death. See, Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified, this is the good part, by His grace, Jesus' grace, as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Church, this is so important. This is the foundation of everything. All have sinned, and the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, he, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Physical provision is great, right? I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for physical provision. But I got to say, no matter my health, my bank account, my real, the real estate market, my job status, relationship status, social status, Jesus is the greatest provision. Jesus rescued me. Jesus lifted me from the pit. I don't know if you do this in your life, but regardless of whatever you receive earthly in this sense, the eternal life through Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that has ever been given to you. It is the greatest provision that you have ever been given to have eternal life with Him. And I love this moment because Jesus blesses the bread. He says, this is my body on the cross that's going to take your place for the debt of your sin. And Jesus says, this is the cup. I give thanks because by the blood of Jesus Christ, I will not only cover your sins. So in the end, when God judges the earth, he does not see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus covering you. No matter what's on the table, can I tell you, on Thursday, you can be thankful for that. You're at work, and you, you're at work on Thanksgiving, and you're honestly mad that you're at work on Thanksgiving. You're at a break room table with like one of those granola bars that breaks into 8,000 pieces as soon as you open the container, and that's your thing, and you're just like, I can't believe it. I'm one of like three people that still works at this Red Robin, and you're just mad, and you're angry, and you're like, you know what? What's on this table? You didn't think that this is what your table would look like. You didn't think that these would be the people that would be around your table. You thought there'd be more. You thought it'd be different. You thought there'd be more excess, or you thought maybe it would be happening at a certain time, place, in a certain location, and you're like, man, this isn't quite exactly what I thought. What do I have to be thankful for? You can be thankful that the God of all the universe knows you and sees you and loved you before time and sent his son to die on the cross for you that you might have eternal life with him. Jesus gives thanks. Eucharisteo. The bread, the wine, the blood, the body. Why did Jesus give praise? Because he lived to glorify God. Why did Jesus give thanks? Because he's thankful for God and God's provision, but he also knew that he was about to be the provision. But there's another reason that Jesus gave thanks, and we see this, one of his... Uh, one of his blessings, is that Jesus was setting an example. This is so important, church. Jesus doesn't say, there is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's not like, there's a good idea. You should follow in that path. Good luck. He says, no, I am the way. Come follow. Come be as I am. Our, as Christians, what are we seeking to be more like? More like Christ. More like the example that he set. And so now Jesus gives a descriptive example of how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. 
But he also was constantly teaching how to walk in step with the Lord in his life, right? He's showing us the nature, the habit, the character of Jesus Christ. And he's always teaching those words and actions. And one of my favorite moments that I think is often skipped over uh, in Scripture is Luke 24. I want to jump there real quick. If you have your Bible, go to Luke 24. Luke 24 is this awesome Scripture. But unfortunately, have churches set up, usually we do like a whole prep for Easter, and we'll do a little bit on Easter in the end, but then we don't get to Luke 24, because it's like a little bit after, but we're like moving on to the next series, right? So he hits us with Luke 24, and it's honestly this really cool moment, because Peter like runs to the tomb, that's my running sign, he runs to the tomb, he goes in the tomb, it's empty, and it says in Luke 24 that he goes away wondering what happened. But that was a few thoughts he had. And it says in, in Luke 24 that the, the women go to the tomb and they see angels. They come back and tell the disciples they're angels. And the disciples are like, what are we supposed to do with this information? But there's a general sense of we have no idea what's currently happening right now. And then there's these two followers of Jesus. They're not disciples. They're not part of the 11. Because remember Jesus, not part of the 11. But these other two disciples, people, followers of Jesus who are walking on this road to Emmaus, and they have this encounter with Jesus Christ. And I want to read that. If, you, if you're there, just open up with me uh, to Luke 24, verse 13. Here's what it says. You guys still with me? Amen? Okay, awesome. It says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Remember, you know, Jesus died on the cross in the tomb. It says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. It says in verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He was there, but they didn't know. They thought he was a stranger. They said, and he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they, so they're walking together, right? He says, he comes up behind him, and he goes, hey, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> they stand still, and they, they say, verse 18, one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? That's the biblical version of, have you been living under a rock? <laughs> That's what he said. You're the only one who doesn't know what's happened? I mean, pretty much everybody has been talking about this small city. And he said to them, what things? Doubles down. Love it, Jesus. <laughs> and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But look at this. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he, meaning Jesus, says to them, he says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It's kind of mean-spirited, but, right? Like, on the surface, this is a stranger saying to them, like, you idiots, how can you not believe what the prophets say? 
And he says to them this, Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then it says this, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he begins to speak to them out of scripture and interpret scripture to them. It says, verse 28, So they drew near to the village in which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So, so he went in to stay with them. And then verse 30, when he was at the table with them, key in on this with me, and we'll pop this on the screen right here. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Look at that. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. Two guesses on the word, right? It's one of those two, right? <laughs> it says he blessed it. Eo legeo. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to them in verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. It says, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn with this while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? They were kind of embarrassed, like we probably should have known that was Jesus, right? Like he was telling us scripture. Like he was like literally, he literally quoted all of the, you know, all of the, the five books. We probably should have known, right? But it says something was stirring in us, but it wasn't until that moment. It says, and they rose at the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, quote, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And so then these guys say to them, then they told what had happened on the road, and look at this, and how he, Jesus, was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Look at that. And how Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. What an amazing moment, I, I have to say. They were at the table, and Jesus blessed, he gave the same blessing over the bread. The same blessing over the bread that he would have given at the Last Supper. He blessed it and broke it. And they, they had, I don't know if it was just like the strongest sense of deja vu in their whole life, but they were like, oh my gosh, this looks familiar. <laughs> And it says their eyes were open as he blessed it, as he praised God, as he celebrated the breaking of the bread. That had to be an amazing moment for them. Could you imagine just being so overjoyed, right? You had followed Jesus. You had served Jesus. He, he died. You're like, what's next? It's now the third day. Somebody goes to the tomb. They're like, we have no idea what's happened, but these gals think they saw angels. You're like, I have no idea what's happening, but I really hinged a lot on this thing, and it's not going like I thought it would. But in that moment, Jesus appears to them, and he gives them this really powerful assurance of their faith. They said, yeah, I, I kind of started to, to think something was up when he was interpreting Scripture, but you know when it really got me? It says he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. I love what Luke's writing here. He's, this is clearly pointing to the Lord in this moment of breaking bread when Jesus gave thanks. It was pointing back to the whole life of Jesus Christ, not only what he had just done, but what he had always done. And this simple meal, because of what was, being, of what was happening here, became an assurance of their salvation. 
opened their eyes to the reality of their salvation. It made Jesus known to them. That was the character of Jesus. It set this example of praising God and breaking the bread in remembrance of the sacrifice that he paid for them. Listen, church, my prayer for you today is that Jesus would make himself known to you like never before. That the depths and riches of his great love, that great love that sent his son to die for you, would be known to you like never before. That the hope and healing that comes with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ would be revealed to you and assured within you like never before. That the life you've received through salvation would be so confirmed and assured in your spirit that you would have such a great confidence through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I would encourage you, I would encourage you to reflect the example of Jesus. How do we walk out the, this joy of living thankful? It's because we begin by not only recognizing God and who He is, but recognizing Jesus is the provision for our soul. See, no matter what your table looks like this Thanksgiving, can I encourage you, may it begin with Elogeo, praising the God who loves you, and a Eucharisteo, giving thanks for His divine providence through Jesus Christ. If you begin your days, your meals, your moments with this understanding, praising God for who He is, the God who loves you, and Eucharisteo, giving thanks for His divine providence through Jesus Christ, it will transform the way you see the world around you. It will transform the way you see your situation. It will transform that anxiety in your spirit because it's no longer based on you or your understanding. Your worth in this world is no longer based on your works or what you prove. It is rooted in the deep love of God for your life. It's rooted in His love for you. I, I told my wife, I said, I want to do something different for Thanksgiving this year. I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to cook food. I love to cook food. And, uh, man, you know, I put in the work. Like, I got the towel over the shoulder. Where are you at, man? You know what I'm talking about? When you cook, you got the towel over the shoulder. You're in it. Girls, if you see your guy with a towel over the shoulder, he's cooking. Bro, yeah, come on. Yeah, Patrick, that's what's up. Nick, yes, thank you. Nick just cooks no matter what. He's got two towels. <laughs> two towels. That's your rap name now. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I want to begin uh, Thanksgiving by taking communion together because we're really spiritual. <laughs> But honestly, it's because as a person, I, I struggle to be thankful for the now, if I'm going to be totally honest. I know if you're, if you're like me, you can reflect my heart. I'm really thankful. I really struggle to be thankful for now. It's hard for me not to be focused on the future. But you, man, that, that's an exciting thing to have vision. We just had our board meeting. It was awesome. But if I'm not thankful for now, I get really discouraged. I get really frustrated. I get really distracted. And I begin to to lament over the things that should be blessings. So I was like, hey, let's, let's begin by just taking communion. Because I feel like if we took that moment to say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done, I feel like that'll put everything else in perspective. I feel like that put my week in perspective. I feel like that put my, my day in perspective. I feel like that put my trials and my victories in perspective. If I said, Jesus, it's all about you. I'm not saying you gotta do that before Thanksgiving, but I, I kind of felt a great way to end, end today Though we normally do an altar call, and the band, band, you can come up even. We do an altar call, and we do all kinds of things. I thought we could end by reflecting together. And by receiving communion together today. And just taking a moment before the craziness of the season.
before you got to fly here, go here, do this, mix this, deal with family, in-laws, parents, aunts, whatever. That we would just take a moment and reflect, say, thank you, Jesus. And then just invite him and say, hey, everything I do after this moment, just be so rooted in your great love to me, revealed on the cross and the resurrection through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite ushers, go ahead, or in inside team, whatever we call you guys now, uh, go ahead and come in and start handing that out. Let me read you a scripture today as they do that. In fact, would you do me a favor? Would you stand as they pass that out? It'll make it a little easier for us here. Thank you so much. And just hold them in your hands once you get them, and we'll receive them in a moment. I want to read a scripture to you today. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. This is Paul speaking. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks at Eucharisteo, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup, and after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm just going to invite you as those elements pass by you, just, just to hold them in your hands. And take a moment. Maybe bow your head, close your eyes, whatever you want to do to focus. Just take a moment and begin to thank God for who he is. Maybe some of you, you're believing for some really big things, some big life events, some big healings. And just know that God deeply cares for those, and God deeply cares for you. And I know sometimes we, we, we preach that, and that, that's that strong call to prayer. But I, I, I feel like Jesus is just preaching and speaking out this morning, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's, that, that's the heart that I believe is here today. The one that just rests in the confidence of the Lord, that praises God for who he is that thanks Him for His provision. And man, if you haven't done it in a while, just take a moment and reflect upon the cross. Reflect upon His body that was broken and His blood that was shed and begin to respond with a heart that says, thank you. Thank you. Let's just take a moment. 